You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, 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 friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. Welcome to season six. I am ecstatic. I missed the bejesus of you. How have you been? Have you been being nice to yourself? Have you been drinking your water? Let's take a little sippy sip together. Okay. <laughs> Much better. Season six. We are here. We have arrived. And we've got so many fun things in store for this season. Amazing guests. Bonus emp- ep- bonus episodes <laughs> bonus episodes a revamped patreon with lots of new goodies which shout out to all of the history bff patrons who have made so many things possible like purchasing um a royalty free music site subscription to up our musical game here on the audio and now the visual versions <laughs> of for the love of history yes my delicious little donut for the love of history is on the YouTube! I'm... Excuse me for that. (laughs) So, now you can see all of the very appropriate facial expressions that I make while talking about garbage humans and righteous vengeance. I'm so excited to start this new chapter of Fourth Love of History with you! So without further ado, let's get into the first episode of Season 6. Today, we are traveling to the Golden Horde, the so-called Land of Barbarians, which is not a nice name, to discuss one of the many regions in the short history of the Mongolian Empire and the tragic story of the Mongolian Empresses. So hop on into the time machine with me, grab a cheeky little beverage, and let's get to it. were to ask little six-year-old TK what the Mongolians were like, I would have sat you down in front of the VHS player that would most assuredly be showing the 1998 version of Mulan and told you this very large man and all of his other large men with the mean hawk is what Mongolians are like, which is just another lie told by Disney. The entire Mongolian empire, I have come to find out, is quite misrepresented. Now, this podcast is not turning into a Genghis, oh, excuse me, Genghis Khan fan page anytime soon, but I do love dispelling misconceptions and giving context. Context is what fuels me. So let's briefly talk about the Mongolian Empire and what it was really like and what it was in the first place. The Chinese empires of the 12 and 1300s were very unkind in their description of the Mongolians. Mostly because in the span of like 24 to like 30-ish years, they conquered more land than the Romans did in 400. And that land mostly belonged to the three kingdoms of China, the Persians, and the Russians. They were, to say the least, not pleased. Not pleased at all. (laughs) All Three of these cultures had their own ruthless streaks 
of conquest and colonization. But when you are on the receiving end of the conquest and colonization, perspectives change. It changes a bit. The Mongolians were portrayed as simply barbaric and uncivilized. And though they were indeed ruthless, that was not all there was to them. For years, the Mongolian steppe, 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 it's steppe, it's steppe, it's definitely steppe, was made up of about five major clans and a ton of other small clans, all kind of fighting for power, fighting for land. Each one of them had their own Khan. Khan isn't actually part of Genghis, Gangipu's uh, name. It's actually a title given to rulers in Central Asia. Fun fact. <laughs> Things were very unorganized until little Genghis Khan did his thing and united them all. During the expansion of the Mongolian Empire is when we often see the horde being portrayed as simply bloodthirsty monsters murdering everyone they come across. But a lot of those extremely negative accounts like the Mongolian warriors severing uh, plague-ridden heads and like throwing them over castle walls were written a hundred years after the end of the Mongolian Empire. So it was like bad press. It was just real, real bad press. The Mongolian horde did get up to some real not cool shit. But so did many other empires at the time. I'm not saying that because other empires were doing it, it's okay for the Horde and the Mongolian Empire to do it. What I am saying is that for a multitude of reasons, the good that the Horde and Genghis Khan and the other Khans and Khatuns did is often overlooked and outright misrepresented. Genghis Khan, unlike many other colonizers, granted religious freedom to his subjects, he abolished torture, he encouraged trade, and created the first international postal system, which, thank you, that one, that's nice. <laughs> The second nefarious misconception about the Mongolian Empire is that this great empire, arguably the greatest in the world, had to have been led exclusively by men, right? Men were the top. That's where, you know, the one great man theory comes from. That one great man just went out there and changed the whole world. Wrong. Wrong. The Mongolian Empire and Mongolia today are incredibly egalitarian. The Khatuns, wives of the Khans, held incredible power as the keepers and organizers of the great biannual migration. The Khan and Khatun worked in harmony, and so did the rest of society. One other very important thing about Mongolian politics slash society is that the next Khan was elected. High-ranking men and women would get together to essentially vote on who would be the next Khan. And because it took some time, during this interim, one of the Khan's wives would step up as regent. They would reign for a short time and uphold the politics of their husband, waiting for the next Khan. But sometimes, oh, sometimes, they prolonged their reign and made radical changes. And Torjin Katan is among the latter. Our story of one of the most powerful women 
in human history begins. Now, I know that that title gets thrown around quite loosely nowadays, dear one, but let me plead my case. Just hear me out. Hear me out, I promise. Okay? By the end of today's episode, you'll agree. You'll totally agree. Maybe you'll agree. I think you'll agree. <laughs> so, Tora Jean's early life is completely unknown to us. She was born into the Merkit tribe sometime around the 1200s. The Merkits were one of the five major tribes of the Mongolian plateau. She pops up onto the historical scene as the wife of a Merkit chief. And in a historical fuck around and find out moment, <laughs> 20 years earlier, another Merkit chief decides to steal Genghis Khan's wife. Why would you do that? Oh my God. Okay, Genghis Khan got her back, but never forgave them. And then when he had the power, he wiped out like the whole clan. And moral of the story is don't steal people's wives. I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, but it seems like I got to say that. <laughs> so what did this mean for Torjin? Well, her husband was killed and her village was destroyed and Genghis Khan decided to make her the wife of one of his sons, Ogodeha. We, we do not like Ogodeha. He falls squarely into the human garbage category for all sorts of atrocities that I will not mention here. But just know, we are not team Ogodeha. We don't really know how Torjin felt about this situation, but if I may take a little guess, I would say not great. At this point, she was powerless, her new husband sucked ass, and he was a major alcoholic, which would actually come to benefit Torjin in the long run. Ugodeha was such a heavy drinker that his dad, Genghis Khan, told him that he was only allowed to have one cup of alcohol a day. And do you know what this man did? He had a huge ass cup made so that he would still be obeying the rule of only having one cup of alcohol a day, but also he was able to have more alcohol than just one regular-sized cup, which is genius and also really stupid. I don't know if I would be doing that if my dad was Genghis freaking Khan, but he seemed to have gotten away with it. So Torjin had this unfortunate misfortune to be married to a garbage human. It was an alcoholic dickbag and also like the third son of Genghis Khan, so there seemed to be no way for her to escape her abysmal situation. But in the most M. Night Shyamalan twist ever, after the death of Genghis Khan in August of 1227, Ogedaha became the next Khan. OG, Mr. Alcoholic OG, became the con because both his brothers didn't want the other one to be con. So they were like, all right, little bro, you're up. And OG was like, woefully unprepared. He was equipped for drinking, but most certainly not for running the largest contiguous, meaning altogether, empire in history. It was nine million square miles, 23 million square kilometers. It was freaking giant, huge, ginormous. 
second only to the British Empire. Dude Bro only had his large drinking cup and not very large brains. WTF was he gonna do? And this, my friend, is when Torjin makes her epic moves. Ogodeha was a real shit ruler. He used too much money, he overextended the military, and all the work that his dad had just done was looking like it was all for naught. But where Ogodeha faltered, Torjin flourished. She began picking up his slack and running things from behind the scenes, which was not unusual at all in Mongolian government. Like I said, the ladies were right up there, in the business, sometimes behind the scenes, and more often than not, in the front of the scenes. She gained more and more power, and the little drunken OG had less and less interest in doing, you know, his job as the Khan. And as she gained more power, Torjin wasn't just carrying on business as usual, continuing her husband's policies. She started building schools, revamping tax collection, started rad AF building projects. She was killing it and even took the name Yeke Katsun, which was the official empress title. And she did this while little drunken Oji was Khan. Within that same year, Ogodeha was finally overcome by his large goblet drinking hat. And it was now time for Torjin to shine. She pulled a RuPaul and stepped her pusswa up all the way up. Within a matter of months, all of Oji's people were out of their positions and replaced with her own. The interim was only supposed to last for a few months or a year maybe. Nothing super long. But Torjin kept delaying the secession vote and kept delaying and kept delaying for five whole years until she had enough power to make the secession go in her favor. She had five sons and wanted her son, Gaiguk, to be the next Khan. But that required some bad bitchery. She began reorganizing the empire and just killing off everybody who stood in her way and forcing whatever policies she saw fit to make it possible for the vote, air quotes, to land squarely on the shoulders of her son. And side note, she once made a dude eat rocks until he died. You know that saying, eat rocks? She literally made him do that. This woman was not messing around. All the while, she was making space for her son. She also carved out a place for a woman named Fatima. We interrupt this program for a very special announcement. Back during season five, I was approached by Trova Trip to host and create a travel meetup with and for the history BFFs. This could be a trip to Japan. You could come see me. We could travel together to some of the places that we talked about. We could go to Egypt and see mummies or Greece or Italy or literally anywhere. But in order for this trip to happen, we need to know where you want to go and what you want to see. In the show notes, there is a quick two-minute interest survey that will help get the ball rolling on this event. Even if traveling isn't in the cards for you right now, you can still fill out the survey to show me 
and the Trova Trip team where you would be interested in seeing and possibly set up a second or third meetup if there's enough interest. I would really appreciate you taking the time to fill that out and help make this happen. Thank you so, so much. Okay, back to the Empresses. Bye! While Torjine was dropping the hammer and literally making dudes eat rocks, she was putting all of her peeps in positions of power. And her main peep, Le Grand Peep, if you will, was a woman named Fatima. I'm not sure if she was enslaved or just taken prisoner in her early life. We don't have a lot of information about Fatima, but we do know that she was Shiite Muslim and probably Persian or of Tajik descent, which makes total sense because Mongolians didn't force people to convert to their religion, whether they were captive or came into the empire of their own will proselytizing was not their bag. Before becoming Le Grand Peep to Torjine, Fatima was a brothel owner and somehow escaped her enslavement or servitude, whichever it was, before she somehow became Torjine's servant when Torjine was voluntold to be little drunken OG's wife. The two became very, very close and after Torjine fully came to power, Fatima was never far from her side. The two were always together. It's said that Fatima was granted access to Torjin's tent at any time. And it's also said that Fatima was privy to intimate information. And, it's a big and, Fatima would come to be called Katun as well. Ooh. What? And a little baby side note, Torjine didn't elevate any of her other five sons to positions of power like this. And also, this episode is called The Tragic Tale of Two Empresses. You knew. You knew when you clicked on it, okay? So this is a spoiler, kind of not so spoiler. They totes have a tragic lover's ending. Now, if I were the Discovery Channel, or if I were a PBS documentary, I would say that they were best friends. Just the bestest of best friends. They just really love spending time together. And that's all. But this, my delicious little donut, this is not that. This is not that at all. This is for the love of history. And dare I say, these ladies were in love. In capital L-O-V-E, love. They were a couple. A couple of badass queens who can't tell me any different, okay? Unless further evidence comes up that explicitly states that they were not together. But you can let me know what you think, okay? Let me know what you think. Send me a message. Let me know your thoughts. So after about five years of badassery, Fatima and Torjin had gained enough power and made enough change to secure Torjin's son, Gaiguk's, position as the next con. She had done it. She fixed all the dumb shit her husband had done. She secured her place, Fatima's place, and made her son Khan. She also successfully ran the largest contiguous empire in history. Not everyone may have liked her, but she held power and enacted change. And this, this is why I say that she was one of the most powerful women, nay, 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 people in history. Torjin and Fatima, feeling 
hella accomplished, decided it was time to retire together and live out the rest of their lives in peace. And they did so for a short time. Almost immediately, Gaiguk turned on his mother. For the dumbest reason. The dumbest reason. You're going to be so mad. You because I was so mad. So let, let's just take a deep breath. Let's prepare ourselves. Let's take a little bit of a sippy sip because I, I can't. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. All right. Are you ready? So Torjean had five sons, right? And one of them was a huge dick. His name was Koten. He really wanted to be the next con, but for whatever reason, Torjean was like, nah, no, no, thank you. It's not going to be you, my friend. It's going to be your brother, Gaiguk. But right after Gaiguk became Khan, Koten got, got sick and he died. And then this woman named Shira just pops out of nowhere and accuses Fatima of witchcraft. Who, first of all, who are you, Shira? You don't even go here. GTFO, who are you? But what makes... What makes me even more mad is that Gayuk was like, yeah, yeah, I totally believe you, Shira. Fatima is totally a witch and killed my brother. And then, and then he was like, well, since she's a witch and clearly killed my brother, who, by the way, didn't want me to be Khan in the first place, Fatima also clearly bewitched my mom, too. Which, what? What? I... Gaiyuk, I cannot with this man. So, what did Gaiyuk do? Well, Mr. Shit for Brains sent messengers to his mother's place and was like, Mom, you're bewitched. We need to take Fatima so you won't be under her spell anymore. And Torjean was like, <laughs> Um, no, I would rather kill myself uh, than let you take her. So, the messengers left and told Gaiyuk and I'm sure Shiro was like, I told you, she's under a spell, it's witchcraft, meh. So Gaiuk just kept sending messages after, or not messages, <laughs> he was like DMing his mom, <laughs> mom, hand over Fatima. No, that's not what's happening, TK, jeez. So <laughs> he kept sending messengers after messengers to get Torjean to give up Fatima, and she just wouldn't because, again, they were in love. So finally, Gayuk had had enough, and he took Fatima by force. And she was tortured and killed in the most brutal way that I am I'm not going to go into right now because I really don't want that to be the last thing that you remember about Fatima. I don't want it to be that. If you want to know what happened to her, I'll put a link in the show notes, but like all the trigger warnings, my friend, all of the trigger warnings. It was awful. So Torjean also passed away during this time, but we're not sure how, we're not sure when, if it was before or after Fatima was taken. But I refuse to end the episode like this. Uh-uh. No way, dear one. Absolutely not. Torjean and Fatima were too badass for me to let this episode end like this. Torjean, through luck and her smart-ass brain, 
went from being the widow of a chief to a wiped out clan to ruling a 9 million square mile empire and saving it from her dumbass husband. Fatima as well came from nothing and became a queen. And the two, however brief it was, made a place for themselves to be alone together and to be happy. Well, dear one, we have come to our final thought. And I really, I really just want to reiterate how badass Mongolian women are and continue to be. So let me tell you a little story. During the reign of Torjin and Fatima, two of the other three divisions of the empire had female governors. So it was like at the tippy top, Torjin, and then the governors ruling the three parts of the Mongolian Empire, because it was a big empire and needed some help. Two of the three were women. There was only one dude in power during this time. One. One. And after Gayuk's dumbass reigned for a super, a super brief time, his wife, Ogul, did the same thing as Torjin and became Katun. And then another woman, Sorkokteni, contested Ogul and took power. And unlike Genghis Khan's drunken inept sons, Sorkokteni had trained her son to be badass rulers. All of them would become Khan, and one even established a new empire in Persia. What Sorkokteni did was so amazing that a Persian chronicler wrote that if history had produced one more woman equal to Sorkoktani at this time, then surely women would have been judged as the superior sex. So, fuck that one great man theory, and never ever let anyone tell you that women haven't made great waves in history. Ooh, spicy TK there at the end. All sorts of fired up for season six. I got goosebumps. I got little goosebumps. I hope you enjoyed Spicy TK because she appears quite a few times in this season. And <laughs> I also hope that you enjoyed our story today, friend. If you did, please consider leaving a rating or review and sending this or any episode to a friend that you think needs to be in the History BFF Club. This helps for the love of history so much and allows me to make better content for you. And don't forget to go over to YouTube that's linked in the show notes to leave a comment, leave a like, and subscribe to For the Love of History YouTube channel, which is so exciting for me. If you'd like to support For the Love of History in other ways, you can purchase, you can purchase some fabulous merch. <laughs> like I'm wearing right now if you're watching the YouTube version. Ooh, so nice. Or you can become a patron for just $2 a month. You can get a welcome card and stickers, access to sleepy history episodes, research updates, reviews, and merch discounts, and much, much more. You can now also sign up for a trial to see if Patreon is right for you. You can also send me a message on Instagram or TikTok or not YouTube <laughs> to let me know what you thought of the episode. I love hearing from you and nerding out together. And with that, my delicious little donut, please do something that makes you happy. Drink your water. Aquam 
to um b-day and i will see you next week when we talk about the non-binary spy Ooh, sounds exciting okay love you bye why is there a metronome right now okay <laughs>